This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. So I started that year, I gave them out as Christmas. I made them at home and gave them out as Christmas gifts. One year I was too busy to even do it. And I, had, I remember I had people, a range of reactions like, uh, where's my nuts? This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. You know, one of my favorite things about the end of the year holiday season is absolutely all the snacks. Sure, you know, you get those big traditional meals, but between those more formal events, it is wonderfully acceptable to just, you know, absentmindedly nibble on candy, cheese, fruit, nuts, whatever's around. One of the few holiday snacks to come close to my love of homemade Chex Mix is made right here in town by Eric Rupert. Eric has been cooking in restaurants for years, including La Toile and the Madison Club. He's the executive chef at Epic. And for more than a decade, he's been making candied salted pecans for friends at Christmas. Those pecans, they're called nutcrack. Since Lindsay and I love snacking so much, we decided to have Eric on the show to find out what it is that makes Nutcrack so great. We talked about how the pandemic has affected his business, where the nuts come from, and we found out about a unique flavor that is available for a limited time. I just sent a can of Nutcrack to my mom for her birthday, and when she was thanking me later on the phone, I could hear my dad complaining in the background that she didn't share any with him. They've been married for 46 years. She always shares. These are that good. (laughs) Give a listen. Eric, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. So first of all, can you introduce yourself just really briefly for folks who maybe don't? Don't know you. Sure. Um, I my name is Eric Rupert, and I'm a chef by trade. Uh, I'm a chef at both Epic, and I also have a business called Nutcrack, which makes uh, lightly candied, very nutritious, delicious pecans here in Madison, Wisconsin. So, for folks who haven't heard of Nutcrack before, can you give us a quick snapshot of what what it is and how wonderful it is? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. With apologies to my mom who you know, told me never to brag. These are these, we've really believed this is to be true. They're the best candy pecans being made in, in this country. We've, we've tried over a hundred different varieties. Um, and honestly, ours, ours, we feel like ours are the best. There's a few really good ones out there. Um, I think what's, what separates ours from others is there's a, there's sort of a tradition of candy pecans being extraordinarily sweet. Um, and in looking into it, most, most candy pecans that are sold are over half sugar by weight, whereas Nutcrack is about 6 or 7% sugar by weight. So um, not only are they really delicious and very lightly candied and a little pinch of sea salt, but they're actually good for you because uh, we know nuts are good for you and they've got good fats in them and lots of vitamins and minerals, so a little bit of protein. And we also take great care in toasting them. I don't know why, but most candy pecans from around the country, they never get around to toasting them. And I'm hard pressed. I've never met a nut. Well, I've met plenty of nuts, but um, I've never, <laughs> I've never eaten a nut that wasn't better toasted. 
you know, the oils in there are so complex and so subtle. And, and if you do it right, uh, it just brings out the magic of, of the nut. And we do that. Um, we make them in insanely small batches, not a great business model, but um, we feel like we've got a great product and, and so far so good. We've been around for a couple of years now and we're being sold all over the country at this point. Yeah. So you've tried hundreds or o- over, over a hundred. Yeah. 112, I think is where we're at with that. So. And do you keep a, is there a spreadsheet that you've got that's <laughs> for you to know exactly how many? My colleagues, uh, no, I just, I keep it a running total in my head. My colleagues are much more organized and prone to doing spreadsheets. I'm, I'm the, uh, I just remember that it was a hundred and hundred. I like them. Yeah. I like them already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do too. I need them <laughs> for the mm-hmm. business purposes. Yeah. I mean, I, and I need Lindsay for the organizational aspect of, of the show as well. So, yeah. yeah. And to be um, clear, there's some, there's some really good ones and, and, um, I get a kick out of this. Actually, one of the better ones we thought um, is, is made here in Madison. So, hmm. so uh, of the 112 that you have, have had, are there any others that have a, a surfer on them? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, no, no surfers. No, they're just, just you, uh, just us. And then uh, we also make something called firecracker, which is, um, it is in fact nutcrack, but then while it's still hot and sticky with that little coating of sugar, we take uh, five different kinds of chili, uh, guajillo, pasilla, ancho, chipotle, and piquin uh, chili powders and, and liberally coat them with that uh, chili. Uh, lots of chili flavor. Uh, we like to call it Midwest spicy, which means it's about a two on a scale of, you know, one to 10. <laughs> Uh, there's there's even people in Stoughton that love them. So, um, <laughs> and I say that specifically because I had a, uh, a a woman from Stoughton in her mid 80s, in with her friend who was also in her mid 80s, who ate some on a dare. And uh, before she did that, she she told me that um, she doesn't like spicy food. That she actually thinks that sauerkraut's too spicy. Oh my gosh! I think one, um, the funniest thing I heard in 2019. Um, it was, it was wonderful. And she, she ate one and then she started to tremble and I thought, Oh no, what have I done? And, um, and then she just said, Ooh, Oh, I just feel so alive. And, <laughs> and then she ate another one. So, oh, I love so that's, her. that's firecracker. So those are, those are the two flavors. You've started her down the, the slippery yeah, slope of no turning back. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to be eating Thai curry soon. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's this combination of that, that toastiness, you know, as Americans, our palates are really, we really gravitate toward the caramelized, the toasty, the Maillard reaction stuff, right? Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. we like a, we like a toasty kind of flavor, but it's that. And it's also the salt, I think mm-hmm. that's in there yeah. that makes them kind of compulsively snackable. And I, I, I'm not the kind of person who binges really anything, I get too mm-hmm. restless, mm-hmm. but I find that there are certain things and th- that's one of them where I will just sort of kind of come back to it almost a little mindlessly just because mm-hmm. it's, it's so kind of compulsively snackable, you know, and you want to keep having more of them. That's got to be good for your business model. Like people want more. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been a chef for a long time. I'm, I'm really glad you like them. And, um, 
you know, I've been since 1980, I've been working in kitchens. And so I've made a lot of food over the years. And, and I hope that I've made a lot of good food over the years. And I've never seen people react to anything I've ever made the way they do to these. So one of two things is going on. Either they're really, really, really good, um, or I sucked as a chef up until now. So yeah, people, really reasonable people have been known to eat a lot of them. And um, then really strangely and almost universally, I get blamed. <laughs> I don't know why that's a thing or how that's possibly fair, but that happens. So um, I, I've done some sort of random fun experiments with um, they were family and we we're all on vacation. There's about 20 of us and there's like 10 people on a picnic table on one side of couple picnic tables done together and they're sort of sitting like one group at one end group in the middle and another group at the other end and i brought a bowl of them out and they'd had them before and i put it at one end of the table so the folks at that end were snacking and eating them and loving them and then in an effort to make it fair i went over and i took the bowl and i moved it to the other end of the table so they could have some and the people that i took them away from took that very personally like they were really <laughs> upset that, they, that i took them and then i moved them to the middle and suddenly everybody hated on both ends hated the folks in the middle because they had the nuts and they were really missing them people were literally getting up from their seats and going to get more of them so i think they're just intrinsically really good yeah what was the what was the beginning of it i mean a complete a complete accident if there is such a thing um you know, uh, I have the attention span of a, a squirrel on speed, um, but that's actually a good skill set to have if you're a chef. You, you can't concentrate on any one thing for too long or the other four things kind of. I've always used a, uh, you remember the plate spinners? Mm-hmm. They they would um, keep as many plates up. That's, that's kind of how I feel when I'm in the kitchen. And so I literally had six or seven pots on the stove at once, which is not an uncommon phenomenon for chefs. And I was making a bunch of things. And one of the things I was making was candy pecans the way that I'd always made them. I was making them for a salad. And um, I accidentally, um, I, I scooped them out and I didn't even really look at what they were. I thought they were something else. And I put them into another pot and made a huge mess. And then I said bad words. And um, then out of just sheer disgust, I kind of fished them out of that pot when I realized what I'd done. And I make lots of mistakes. So this was not like, you know, it's like, all right, let's start that over. Um, You didn't beat yourself up about it. No, I don't. No, there's no time. I got to spin those plates. And so I, but I, I remember scooping them up with a, like a slotted spoon and putting them on a sheet pan. I figured I'd just throw them away or when I, you know, when I went to clean up a couple hours later. And a couple hours later, I went to look at them and they were glazed and they were brown. And of course, you know, being a chef, I'm going to, I'm going to eat that. I mean, that, that looks interesting. Just see what it was like. <laughs> so I ate one. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. So I ate another one. And over the course of the next like hour, I ate a pound and a half of pecans. And honestly, chefs, like we don't do that kind of thing. Like we'll eat a pound and a half of all sorts of things, but it's usually something somebody else made. Food is always mm-hmm. better, always, always better when somebody else makes it. Oh. Um, but I ate them all. And I and I sort of like halfway through, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? These are kind of crazy good. Um, so the next day I decided, because the staff was in that day, 
to try to recreate the whole thing, but this time I sprinkled some salt on them. And I made a bunch. I think I made like five pounds when there's probably five people that were coming in. And they were gone within like a half an hour and people were losing them. Oh my gosh. So I started that year. I gave them out as Christmas. I made them at home and gave them out as Christmas gifts and did that for about 10 years. Uh, one year I was way, and it, the reason being, it was great. Cause like, I would argue with the exception of maybe kids, there's no adult I know that needs more stuff. <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah. But we do need experiences we do need flavors we do need things to you know nice things to drink and eat so it was the perfect gift plus it was really easy I could do like all my Christmas shopping in a day of cooking and get them all packaged up and then um one year I was too busy to even do it and I had I remember I had people a range of reactions like uh <laughs> where's my nuts <laughs> oh. the sweetest it was the sweetest like did did I do something wrong oh no uh, and I'm like oh why I, I, the, I, we look forward to those pecans every year. Oh, you started it. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward a, a few years in the back of my mind, I knew I had something, you know, that was pretty tasty and we'd make them every year. And I'd also make them when we go on vacation and be with family. And, and mind you, I, I had the job of a lifetime and they worked a career to get as the executive chef at Epic, um, leading a, a huge team feeding, you know, thousands and thousands of people every day with a menu that changes every day and cooking from scratch and seriously like the best chef's job in the country as far as I can tell and I had it and I loved it no intention of leaving whatsoever but in the back of my mind as the years went on um, and my son was getting older one of my sons was um, getting older and um, you know just one day he came and said you know uh, we should do this as a business and Mm. and I thought it but I couldn't figure out how to do both jobs and I had no intention of leaving, but that just kind of grew and grew and grew. And, um, he was in college. And so fast forward to June of 2018, we opened up a shop on Atwood Avenue and I've been selling pecans. The most common reaction I get is you, you do one thing, you just make pecans. And I, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Why, why? That's a great thing. So. Um, I guess kind of a, two-part question what is the 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 production process like before and then has covid affected the production and distribution process uh we rearranged the kitchen um Ah. and then we also essentially siloed sort of the the tasks um not exclusively but um there's the making of them Mm-hmm. So one person is doing that, and I grossly underestimated how much time and effort it takes to actually package things. Um, I've never really, as a chef, had to package much of anything in my career up until this, because um, we do every, literally everything by hand. So we um, we make them, and then we put them in cans that, uh, like these, um, well, I know you guys have seen them, but trying to describe them for the listeners. Um, imagine like a squat Pringles can, basically. And then, um, then we weigh them, each one, get them exactly right. Um, and we make them now, you know, three pounds at a time. But right now we're ramping up for our, our busy season. I think everybody's inner inner squirrel is looking for nuts these days. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> like, this is the time of the year where whether people know it or not, nuts are a really good idea. Um, yeah. As evidenced by the really fat squirrels that actually hang out by our shop. Yeah. And so then um, 
we, we scale them up and then that goes to somebody that uh, has, it's called seaming and they put the bottom on and they attach the bottom. That's the most expensive piece of equipment they have. And then um, that goes, then that moves to the label person. We label the cans, but, and then that goes to the person that puts the lids on them and puts them in boxes. And on a really good day, we can make about uh, 440 pounds. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big team effort to do that, but that's what we're, that's what the team is doing right now. Debbie, did you have any issue with the supply chain? Get like I know there were issues because of the pandemic. Yeah. Were there any issues with pe- pecan supply? Um, pecan supply, thankfully, no. We are extraordinarily fortunate to be working with um, a grower in um, New Mexico. And um, pecans are actually North America's only native tree nut. And we even have pecans that grow in Wisconsin but we call them something else. We call them hickory nuts. Right. A hickory nut is a, is a wild pecan. So um, we met these folks um, at a trade show and not only do they grow, they're a fourth generation pecan grower in New Mexico. Um, family was actually originally from Wisconsin in the world of small worlds. And um, they also process. Um, and on top of that, they grow two varieties. Um, the most common variety is what's called a Western or a Schley variety. Um, it's what you'd find virtually in any grocery store. They're really good. They're great. That's what we used for a long time. Um, when we met these folks, they also grow something called a Bradley, which is a, a smaller pecan. And um, they tried our product and got in touch with us and said, you know, you should try making these with the Bradleys. So we did, and we loved them. Um, they're They're kind of the... Uh, they're very coveted. They're hard to find, and they have, and they're really old trees. Uh, pecan trees produce for there's pecan trees in this country that are 200 years old that are still producing pecans. So they've had these trees for a long time, and we secured. Uh, we have a contract with them. We get just the Bradleys. I, I still can't believe that that happened um, because it makes Nutcrack even better than it was originally. So what makes the Bradleys special? What makes them different? Um, so if you if you think of what a pecan looks like, they're, they're sort of flat, flat-ish and um, longer. And a Bradley is more stout and squat and a little rounder, kind of like a, almost like a small turtle shell. And their flavor is more complex when we, when we toast them, um, they get extra crispy. Um, the flavor, I just, I just love the texture and the flavor and they, they're actually much smaller um, in, in size than the, um, sort of standard, uh, Western, which again, Westerns are great or slide. They're one of the same. They're great. Um, the Bradleys are just extraordinary. So both from a, um, like a, the big pecans that we were using sometimes when I'd eat them, I was never sure if I was supposed to eat a whole one at once, which seemed like a little gluttonous, or was I supposed to bite <laughs> it in half, which was inconvenient. So of course I was going to eat them, you know, whole, um, the, the uh, Bradleys are perfect. They're just, you know, one at a time. Uh, you can really save room. Great mouthfeel. Nice. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So we want to segue a little bit into some holiday conversation here. Sure. Actually, Chris had a good question. He's kind of more of the movie guy than me, so I'm, I'm going to let him ask the next one. <laughs> All right. Well, no, no, it was, um, 
doing you know research, kind of getting ready for this, uh, there was a Barry Adams State Journal article that had a quote from you saying that you watched Babette's Feast at the Majestic, and that's what got you into cooking. Yeah. And I didn't know if you had any other movie recommendations for food, just like mm-hmm. food movies. Sure. Um, this is purely my opinion. I think so often over the years, people will come to me and say, oh, my gosh, did you see that movie that, you know, about a food? Movie? It's great. It's, an, it's a phenomenal food movie. And then I'll watch it and go, yeah, it's OK. <laughs> Um, because, you know, up until relatively recently, they were never plausible. They like, that would never happen. And whatever it was would never happen in a restaurant. And I'm sure there are other movies, you know, that capture other trades or professions where the people that do those things were like, no, that's not how that goes. Um, and so it just wasn't, um, very real. That said, indeed, Babette's Feast, I don't know. I, I'm not going to pretend to know that there is such a thing as an epiphany, but if there is, I, I had one watching that movie. It just, everything became absolutely, absolutely clear. The, the path, it was just this message sort of coming right at me saying, if you become a chef, everything will work out. And I've never watched the movie since. I tried and I just couldn't, it, because it was such an extraordinary experience. Um, I never watched it again. That said, um, Laugh all you want. Uh, Ratatouille um, is is really well done. There's very good reason for it. Um, Thomas Keller was the uh, chef. Thomas Keller was the um, food person on that. And then one of my favorites is um, it's just called Chef. Yeah. With uh, John John Favreau, um, and I I love watching that um, movie with my with my son, mm-hmm. uh, my youngest son, for obvious reasons. So. And that one too, that was actually Roy Choi was the food um, consultant on that one. And they did everything absolutely right. Yeah. And then I would be remiss. Um, I think right up there is a big night. Oh yeah. It's a wonderful movie and just reminded myself I need to watch it again. It's um, there's a scene at the end, which brings me to tears every time. It's just such a beautiful movie to begin with. And there's a scene at the very end and this is gives nothing away where they're simply after working so hard on a bunch of stuff. Um, and they're two brothers, they're in the kitchen and this, it never hands away. There's no, it's, it's all in one shot. Um, and he just makes eggs and toast, um, for them both to eat. Mm. And it is just a beautiful moment that is as real as food. You know, food has this way of not just bringing people together, but, um, making moments i think more real sometimes and that was one of them for sure i recently watched crazy rich asians and the food in crazy rich asians is amazing yeah true um yeah i was watching carefully you know sort of what was going on in the background there and um yeah it was wonderful it's amazing yeah 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 Yeah, you mentioned ratatouille and chef as two really good food movies and one of my favorite things about both of those is that it kind of cuts the the pretension. Mm-hmm. Ratatouille is all about the peasant dish, whereas Chef is all about you know the the Cubano, <laughs> you know finding you know it's all about you know the the craft of just simple ingredients made very simply and 
you know, having this great product that, you know, comes out of it that doesn't have to be, it's, it's art, but it's not frou-frou no. type art. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I'll, um, you know, people can look at food however they want, of course. I've never, I've always taken issue with it being called art. Mm. Um, I think it can be very beautiful, but it, for me, it's not, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I, <laughs> I, I've never seen it as art because I can do it. And I don't think of myself necessarily as at all artistic. So, um, you know, there's a scene in um, Chef that I always just, I, I probably rewound the thing like four or five times. And it, it would go unnoticed, I think, by most people. It's when they um, procure the, the food truck and it, they're cleaning it out. Mm-hmm. And there's a the, the kid opens up the fridge, I think it's either the fridge or the oven, and there's a pan of like lasagna or something from probably two years ago. And it's completely rotten, and the kid just walks over and throws it in the garbage. And it and John Favreau's character just looks at him like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "It's gross. I'm I'm throwing it away." He's like, "That's a perfectly good pan." <laughs> and, and, and he makes them, you know, he cleans it out, and that's exact. I mean, <laughs> that's much more real in our world. Not the, the the you know the leaving things in the refrigerator for two years, but we'd never throw a pan like that. <laughs> perfectly good pan just clean it out i feel like we're all renegotiating what our holidays are going to look like this year um with smaller celebrations i'm not going to be seeing my family which makes me sad but i'm trying to find what joy there is to be found Mm -hmm. and i wonder if you have any holiday traditions that maybe are looking a little bit different this year or if you have any tips for folks who are kind of going through the same thing yeah, you know, when you initially called, you know, you said we wanted to talk about this, and I've I've noticed that my brain's going in about four different directions. From uh, keep the traditions, you know, whatever those traditions are, like it, do them and do them full bore. And I think that's, you know, because we're we're looking, I think we're all looking for the familiar in the midst of you know a whole bunch of craziness. Um, to be honest, I'm. Of course, in, in our household, um, things will change too. And my guess is my family won't let me not make um, traditional Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is fine, you know. That's that's what they that's what they want. Um, I will go on record as saying I think turkey is one of the most overrated foodstuffs on earth. But um, and and I I think most of my chef friends would tend to agree. But I still eat it and I enjoy it. You know. Um, so I, th- I think there's the tradition, you know, just now in some cases, I think people will, who don't typically cook, you know, people that would be going to their folks house or going to family's house where, you know, they, they, they didn't participate or they just, part- they brought the one thing, um, they're going to find themselves, uh, okay, what, we're, what are we going to do? So you could do the traditional. And then I was thinking, because presumably these gatherings are going to be much smaller, you know, two, three, four people, um, whoever's in that household, that's kind of your, that's who's going to be there. Go nuts. You know, I just like, like, like forget, forget, you could do some 
you go get a beautiful big cut of meat if that's what you're into that you'd never get otherwise and you know spend a ton of money and um just make just get really extravagant and, and soup not fancy although you could do fancy if you wanted to um but i think you could go that route like i never at home would cook like standing rib roast you know but mm. if, there, if there was a year to do it this would be it, it <laughs> yeah it's like there's there's gonna be three of us and we can have some fun with it or like i never i never really buy steaks um i just go and you know who cares the weather like fire up the grill and sort of just say throw your hands up and go let's what do we want to eat so there's that that way to do it or a hybrid um start new traditions i was thinking you could do some of that too I don't know. I, I, I think that there's a range. I personally, um, you know, it, it is called Thanksgiving and, um, and I'm reminded every day actually. Uh, and, and it's been helpful despite all of the craziness and challenges and stressors that are currently going on for me gratitude and being thankful for the things that i do have every day tend to especially if i remember to do that in the morning you know as i'm my brain hasn't been pulled in a million different directions it sort of sets the tone it helps with the rest of the day to be grateful about um what i do have and what i do have and i've got so much you know that i'm reminded oh my gosh i'm surrounded by things i should not just should that I'm genuinely grateful for. And so that leads me in a long winded way. Uh, and it won't just be me. It'll be my wife and my youngest um, son who's, who's um, 16. Uh, but if it was just me, I'd probably do something super simple. Mm. I'd go outside and spend as much time outside as I could, regardless of the weather. And then I'd come home and make some like potato kale soup. Or, you know, just something really grounding and a reminder that, you know, we are fortunate Mm -hmm. and but not get too distracted by the bells and whistles that food can be sometimes. So I've given you like uh, like five different directions that you can go with it. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Choose choose your own adventure. That's kind of what it can be this year. And regardless of what you choose, you will remember this meal. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. There's no way you won't remember this meal. There's no way you won't remember Christmas this year or or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever holiday you celebrate. You will not ever forget this. In fact, you will torture your grandchildren <laughs> if you have them or you know, young kids 30 years from now with stories about what you did this year. And if you go into it kind of knowing that, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said, man, we got, we're going to have some good stories to tell. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, um, we're so in the middle of it. We, we forget that. Yeah. So I guess to kind of wrap things up, you've got the, the two main kinds of nut crack. And then I also see on the site that you've got, the everything seasoning nut crack. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah. want to do like 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 a real quick sure sell on that because that's certainly a combination I wouldn't have imagined. Yeah, absolutely. So part of part of our mission at Nut Crack is to you know to do good. We we want to um, be a good community member, and we have the Goodman Community Center just 
you know, a few blocks away from us. And they do such good work in the community. And so um, everybody's, well, most everybody's had an everything bagel with the everything seasoning on it. So we make our own everything seasoning at Nutcrack uh, with, you know, sesame seeds and garlic and onion and poppy seeds and caraway and salt. And I feel like I forgot something. But anyways, we, <laughs> we make our own. And then, um, and then while Nutcrack is still hot and sticky uh, in the process, we um, sprinkle or just actually just dump lots and lots of this seasoning on there and it sticks to the outside and we cool it off and put it in bags. And um, most of the money from the sale actually goes to the Goodman Community Center. Um, and so it'll end up being in the thousands of dollars that we end up donating to Goodman Community Center because they're just such, what they do is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's fun. Um, and it's, it's doing, it's doing the good and people really like it. It, it came out of one of my colleagues, the way she gets her kids to eat anything is she puts everything seasoning on it and they'll eat it. Yeah. And so sort of as a joke, uh, we, we made a batch with everything seasoning on it one day of nutcrack and they lost their minds. <laughs> and so You gotta have kid testers. It's good. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, we just thought it'd be a good way to to um, put it out there. Cause a couple of years ago we had Krampus kibble, which really was just nutcrack in a, in a different um, differently labeled can as a fundraiser uh, for a food pantry here in town. And it was wildly popular. Um, so we figured we'd, we'd do like, do that again. That's cool. Well, thank you again for taking some time with us today. We really appreciate it. And people can find Nutcrack. It's on Atwood Avenue, but it's also a lot of other places. I just ordered some online and I sent it to my mother in Ohio. So that's very easy oh, to do. Thank you. Yeah. Happy birthday, it Mom. It is Nutcrack with a K. N-U-T-K-R-A-C-K. People go look mm-hmm. for it. So. Awesome. Well, thank you both. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Happy holidays. Yeah, to you too, both of you. been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Patrick Christians composed our music, and Natalie Yar edits the show. We are dropping episodes every other week, and they are available wherever you get your podcasts. You can, as always, find Lindsay and I individually on Twitter and together as a show on Facebook. Go to captimes.com for more food and drink news. I just wrote a story about a baker who went on the Netflix baking show Sugar Rush Christmas. Check that out for behind-the-scenes details. If you like movies, you should check out Just To Be Nominated, a podcast that I co-host for Lee Enterprises. Serendipitously enough, the latest episode is all about food movies. You can subscribe to that on your pod player of choice. I am Lindsay Christians, Cap Times food editor, and I am really into the Thanksgiving side dishes. And I'm Chris Lay, and you better save me a piece of the dark meat. Our wish for you this week is a happy and safe Thanksgiving, first and foremost, followed by a weekend of leftover turkey and ham sandwiches on white bread. With pickles. Cheers! Cheers. (laughs) Pickles are so important. Agree. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.